0: Jackie told us a few weeks ago that we remember the books of Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians with Gentiles eat pork chops. I thought that was, was kind of funny. I always remembered it as the General Electric Power Company. But either way, it's a good acronym to be able to remember those. But do we go through the Gospels, the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go past Romans. Go past 1st and 2nd Corinthians. I missed Acts in there, didn't I, Lyle? Acts is in there somewhere. But get to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1 is where we're going to be in It's going to be consistent with with that message that we saw. We're We're going to look at what did God mean for the Christian life? What does it look like? What does it really entail? What does God want to empower us with? What is the fullness of God that we can experience in Christ? That's what the title of this message is, is Life's True Goal, experiencing the fullness of God in Jesus Christ. We want to look at that this morning as we study through a prayer in the book of Ephesians. But before we get started, I just want to open up once more in prayer Father God, Lord, I just thank you again. Another just amazing opportunity to be able to proclaim your truth, to teach your word, Lord God. And Father, I've got no capacity in, in and of myself to do this, Lord God. I'm, I'm a weak, empty vessel. So God, I just pray that you just empower me with your Holy Spirit, that you just anoint my lips. Spirit, I just invite you here to flow in this place. What an amazing set of worship to just invite you in here, Lord God. And as we sit in your throne room, God, we now want to sit at your feet and hear your word. So God, I just pray that this be taught your way, and it's your words, Lord Jesus. Just uh, empty myself of me and just fill me with you. In your name, amen. A couple things about the, the book of Ephesians before we get too far into it, is the book of Ephesians is it's really one of those amazing letters. And there's a couple things about it. Is One, it's only one of two epistles in the New Testament that is not corrective. And what that means by that is Paul didn't have to come to, to the Ephesian church and correct a bunch of sin and a bunch of issue and a bunch of garbage that they had going on in their lives, in their church. So he's able to jump in to write some nitty gritty, some depth, some amazing truth, some awesome stuff. And he does that through the first 14 verses. We'll just kind of hit on these briefly. I'm still in Jude. Let me get to Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1, we see we see seven blessings or seven things that we get in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We call them, in Christ, it's our positional relationship with God. The things that when we come to know the Lord Jesus, when we confess with our mouths, when we believe with our hearts, when we acknowledge that it's His righteousness that gives us forgiveness for our sins, we are then put into a positional relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And in those things, there's seven things that... That the Holy Spirit has already inspired Paul to be able to tell the church in Ephesus. Those seven things are, in verse 3, that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. In verse 4, we've been chosen. Before the foundations of the world, God chose us in Christ. We've been accepted. We are accepted to God in Christ. Acceptable to God. We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, verse 7. Verse 9 is we've been given the ability to understand the mystery of God. Verse 11, we re- we've received an inheritance. In verse 12, it says, we've been given the Holy Spirit. And again, these are all things that in Christ, we are instantly given, where they are instantly obtained. But we don't fully experience and live in them, and grasp them, lay hold of them without prayer and the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about this morning, is so we're going to look at a prayer that Paul is going to pray for Christians. He's praying for us today, because the Word of God is transcendent meaning it transcends time. Hebrews 4:12 said it's living and active sharper than any two-edged sword. So this prayer Christians is for us. And if you're here this morning and you're not in Christ, this prayer can be for you and we want to have an opportunity to do that later. So we're going to read this in, starting in chapter 1 verse 15. Therefore I also after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers. "...that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. that the eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches and glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places." So we're going to look at this prayer and we're going to pull it apart. And in this prayer, Paul makes five supplications or five requests, five prayer requests unto the Lord to be made manifest, to to be fulfilled in the Christian life. Those five things again we see in verse 17 is that we may know Him. Truly that we may know God. Not just know of Him, but truly know Him. We're going to pull verse 18. We're going to kind of do 18A, B, and C because I'm pulling it into three parts. But 18A is that we may experience enlightenment. We may truly be enlightened by the Lord. 18B is that we may know the hope that is His calling. What is the hope of His calling? And 18C, that we may grasp the riches and glory of His inheritance. What is our inheritance? What is God ready and waiting to give us when this race is over? What is our inheritance? We'll talk about that. And the fifth and final one is how we can walk in and live in and experience the exceeding greatness of His power for us. What does a true victorious Christian life look like? So we're going to pull these five things together. We're going to to trust that the Spirit shows us what we need to do and how we can grasp all these things. But it's exciting stuff. I'm excited about it myself. But Paul is praying again for Christians to fully understand and experience these things. These things that can only be fully grasped, fully acknowledged, fully obtained through the power of prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. These aren't things that we can come up, up in, in and of ourselves. So the first thing he says in verse 17, that the well before we get into that, we do see that this, this epistle is written to Christians. And we see that it's written to Christians, one, because we see that they have faith. They have faith in the Lord Jesus. And the other thing is they have love. It's another thing I love about this church and I've been so blessed by this church. I just want to take a quick moment to say thank you guys for your faith and thank you for your love. And you're not, I'm not, not like you're doing it unto me. You're doing it unto the Lord, but it's apparent in this place. And I'm just excited to be a part of this body. So thank you, Christians. So that we may know God. And we think about this, the wisdom and revelation. Now sometimes you think, you know, we've got all these things that we can call wisdom. You know, I was, I was looking through some of the books in Jackie's office and... Some of the systematic theology and pneumatology and a bunch of other ologies that I can think of. And I think, does God give us wisdom and revelation so we may wow each other with our awesomeness? No, like that's not what He gives it for. That's not what the reason why He's given us wisdom and knowledge. That's, that's the, the knowledge that puffs up. That's a prideful knowledge. But instead, God gives us wisdom and revelation so we may have knowledge in Him. All these things are to give us a greater picture of who God is. And I can testify today, guys, I know most of you guys can as well, that one of the greatest things we can ever possess in this life is the knowledge of God, the true knowledge of God. We've got people all around this world, around our society, our community that say, there might be a God, but He can't be known. Or I don't even believe there is a God. And we can stand here today and say, I know Him, I know there is a God. Because He has made Himself known to me through wisdom and revelation in the Spirit. Like that's something that God has revealed to us. Paul will tell us in a a letter to to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.12, he says, For this reason I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. It's that personal relationship that I know, that I know, that I know who God is. And that's how I'm able to get through these things that I'm going through. Finishing up that verse, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep what I have committed to Him until that day. But that whom, to truly have that personal relationship, to know God. So we think about that. So how do we know God? We need the spirit of revelation and the knowledge of Him. The word knowledge here is is epignosis. And this means to have a practical and correct knowledge, a full discernment of the things of God. And I think, man, guys, that is certainly my desire. But in order to do that, we need to have wisdom and revelation. So, wisdom. We need to have wisdom to understand the mysteries of God. It it was a mystery. It is a mystery to us outside of the Holy Spirit. We can't understand the things. They're not natural to us. We'll look at that a little later. But we need wisdom how to live our lives. The Bible tells us to live as wise, not as unwise. How do we do that? We've tried to do. I've tried to do life myself and it failed. It failed miserably over and over again. I can't do it in my own wisdom, so I need a wisdom that is from above. How do I get that? Is there anybody here who would like a little bit more godly wisdom in their lives? Amen. And so what does it say here? In James 1.5 five says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. And I pray for wisdom... Daily, I want the wisdom that comes from God to be able to understand. And, and God wants to give us that wisdom. But guys, we don't get it if we don't ask. We ask through prayer. All these things that are at our disposal, the theme you will see this morning is we've got amazing resources at our disposal if we're willing to ask for them, to seek them. One of the old New King James words that I really love is called importunity. And it's called to insist with persistence. And when it's, it's using that reference to ask, seek, knock, Seek God with importunity, insist with persistence. God, I want wisdom, I need wisdom. And you're praying the will of God because He says, I will give you wisdom. So we need wisdom. We also need revelation. The Christian life should be one of continual revelation. You guys know that? Continual revelation. And what that means is every single day when we're walking with God, He is revealing Himself to us more and more and more we were up up in Cascade Mountains and we were, we were walking around and you're, you're looking for God in creation and you're just looking for things He's revealing Himself and I see this beautiful Ponderosa tree and it's just this, oh, it's, it's huge. But it goes all the way up and then up at top it breaks into three pieces. And I'm just like, wow, three in one. I'm seeing like a picture of the Trinity and I just go, wow, God, that's just amazing. And I'm not going to worship the tree. I'll cut it down. It's not the point of that. I'm just saying that it's showing God in creation. I'm just seeing that God is revealing Himself more and more and more. And we're willing to walk in the Spirit of God. He reveals Himself to us. And the character of Jesus Christ is made more manifest in our lives every day. Constant revelation as God continues to reveal Himself. But just like wisdom, it is only by revelation that you can really know God. And just like wisdom, it is only by revelation that we can really understand the things of God. Flip a couple books to the left. We're going to go into... 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Keep your finger in Ephesians. We'll be back. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Starting in verse 9. Got to Romans. You've gone too far. Chapter 9. Sorry. Chapter 2 verse 9 says, But as it is written, Eye has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him, but God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us, that we might know God, that we might experience these things, God has revealed these things to us. And again that theme is saying they're at our disposal. We've been given the Holy Spirit at time of conversion, at time of salvation when we are cleansed with the blood of Jesus Christ. They're given to us. There it is. But are you using it? Are you exercising this spiritual gift? Are you exercising this access we have to God? And praying, God I want you to reveal these things to me because they're only revealed to you through prayer and the Holy Spirit. But He wants us to know Him and that's why He's done the things that He's done. That God may show us self True in our lives. Moving on to verse 18, back in Ephesians 18A. Paul is praying that the eyes of the understanding, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. In other other forms, this will say that the eyes of your understanding will be flooded with light, that truly just be immersed, just flooded with the light of the Lord. When we think about this, I think of I think of an example that Later in the book of Ephesians, we're going to see that not only were we once in darkness, not only did we once dabble in darkness, it will say that we were once darkness. We were darkness. And then it will say in 2 Corinthians 4, 6 that the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who commanded light to shine out of our hearts, He has shown our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He's taken this heart of stone and He's put in a heart of flesh. And He's written His law in the heart of the flesh. And He's given us His Holy Spirit. And He's caused light to shine out of things that was once darkness. But this is a very powerful point for me in this, in this message. And one that I felt got hit me ex- a little bit, especially harder than maybe some of the others. But flip a couple more chapters over in the, and still in the book of Ephesians. But chapter 5. This is definitely a section of Scripture that's very near and dear to my heart. Starting in verse 8, it says, "...For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful to even speak of those things which are done in secret." But in all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, He says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. And here in my Bible, I wrote, Engage Reality, July 2011. It was was a couple months before we started it, but this verse impacted me so greatly about what's going on in our society, what's going on in our world. And, And one of the things that moved me so greatly, guys, is is darkness is encroaching on the turf that belongs to the light. Darkness is moving to take back people and things that belong to the Lord God. They're His. And darkness is moving and encroaching and prevailing because there is an absence of light. There's an absence of light, Christians, and we are that light. We are called to be that light. And when we hide our light, when we don't expose our light, when we don't share the love of Jesus Christ with with those around us, darkness succeeds and darkness moves in. We've seen tragedy after tragedy, suicide, car wrecks, these things that are unexplainable because darkness is trying to prevail. But we've been given all the tools to be able to succeed. And I think about it very personally to say, darkness is trying to encroach and maybe is even encroaching in your workplace Are you willing to be the light? Darkness is encroaching on your classroom and your schools. Are you willing to be the light? It's even trying to encroach on our families. Are we willing to be the light? And I want you guys to hear this because faith doesn't come by sight. Faith comes by hearing, Romans 10, 17 says. You guys have probably all heard it. Share the gospel always. Use words when necessary. I don't buy it. The words of life are impactful. The words of life that came from the Lord, that's what changes people's lives. Faith comes by hearing. We look at Jesus' life, miracle after miracle after miracle was performed, and the people still didn't believe. We saw the first, the first Israelites taken out of Egypt. This first generation saw more miracles in their time than any other people group in human history. And they wouldn't believe God could slay a few giants and crumble a few cities to get them into the promised land. They saw it all. Peter steps out in Acts in the power of the Holy Spirit and preaches the risen Lord and 8,000 people are saved. Acts 4.4 4 says they heard and they believed. And guys, I, I hear this now and I, I just say, I'm preaching this to myself. I need to be better with this. Bob was teaching on Wednesday night and he said, he called himself a, a sesquipedalian. You know what that is? Sounds like an insect or something, doesn't it? But it's a sesquipedillion means a lover of words. What he didn't tell you is it also means long-winded, which I don't know if that's true. But But a sesquipedillion, I was thinking about that, and I go, oh, the word that came to me is, is I'm a chameleon. You guys know what a chameleon is? You know what a chameleon does? They change their colors to match their surroundings. They change their colors to fit in so they don't look any different than those around us. And I do that sometimes because I don't want to offend somebody. And then maybe that person perishes. Maybe I'll never see that person again. I'll never get that opportunity. And I just ask myself, what am I ashamed of? What am I missing out? What is most important in my life? When I say I want to be a chameleon, or when I want to blend in, I don't ever want to be, when I say that I am a chameleon, I take the light of the Lord Jesus Christ and I cover it up. I put it under that table. I put it under that lampstand. And I preach to you guys here. I, I preach to myself here because in a lot of regards, it's easy for me to preach up here it's easy for me to tell you about the love of Jesus Christ and how awesome he is and I can preach it with conviction because it's true in my life but the kicker is you expect me to do that and so that that takes down that first little barrier to think well I wonder what they're going to think well they'd think really weird if I didn't talk about the love of Jesus Christ so it almost makes it a little easier but I will tell you this and I learned this from experience as well all it takes is one time share with your neighbor one time and they will expect what you might say next time It takes that wall down. They will expect this person is here it is. And so I say, share the words of life often. And let your conduct support those words. As soon as you step out in faith and you share that gospel, then the work really begins. Because you're going to be watched a little closely, a little bit more closely. But let your conduct reflect the things that you just proclaimed, you just professed. So, oh that our eyes of our heart would be understanding. eh? Believe this though. The darkness has been defeated. The darkness no longer can prevail over us. Why is that? Because the light of the Lord Jesus has defeated the darkness. Jesus won. And in our lives, Jesus won. Jesus is winning. And Jesus will win. That battle is complete. We fight this fight from a position of victory. So we don't need to be afraid of anything coming in there. Darkness, the second you shine your light, darkness flees. Darkness flees. Showed up here early this morning. You know, you come in here, this church is completely dark. You flip on that light. Boom! Instantly. The tiniest little light can make itself shown in darkness. And so we want to be bold to be able to do that. We want our hearts to be flooded with light. Back in Ephesians 1, verse 18b. It says that you may know what is the hope of your calling. What is the hope of your calling? When we come to know God through Jesus Christ, by the enabling of His wisdom and His revelation given to us by the Holy Spirit, he, we know what we can truly be through Jesus Christ, who He really wants us to be, who He can empower us to be through His strength. The Greek word used here is, is, uh, for hope is, is el peace. I told myself I wouldn't do this, but I like to throw out random Spanish words sometimes. I, I don't know why. I don't speak Spanish, but it's just kind of fun. And my favorite word is bente. Pente. I feel like it's kind of Italian Spanish, but pente dos. It just means 20 or 22, but I, I just, I hit it, pente. You know, I just, yes. So sometimes people don't know what's going on. I just throw out some random Spanish words. And, anyway, I, I like this because it was like, it was like el peace. It means el peace. It's like the el piso that surpasses all understando. You know, it's like, yes, el peace. So I like that. But el great. it means a confident expectation or, or Anticipating with with pleasure, you know, something that we can know that is going to come through. It's our hope. What are we hoping for? And I think about that sometimes, and I think, well, I hope I can retire one day, or you know, I hope that I get a raise. I hope I land another job. You know, there's been times when we can say, I hope I graduate. I hope I get married. I hope this person is the one. I hope these are the one, Lord. I hope I get an iPad for my birthday, or maybe even Christmas. You know, whatever the case may be, those things are things we hope for, but those things are not our hope we say instead our hope is in the, the risen Lord Jesus. Our hope is in the work that He did on the cross for us. Jesus died for our sins. He was resurrected. Without this taking place, we have no hope. So Jesus is our hope because He's our substitute. We call Him our propitiation. He's the substitute that, sacri- that satisfies. Meaning both He satisfies the righteous requirement of God and God's wrath. And we ask ourselves, well, well, why is God angry? What, what do, what's God's wrath? What does that mean? And we knew in Romans 6.23 that God's wrath was against us because the wages of our sin required death. It required death. The cost of our sin, the price that it took to redeem us was a death. I'm sorry, it was a life. Something had to die. So a corrupt person could die for me to cleanse my sin. But what about their own? They didn't cleanse theirs. So the sacrifice had to be perfect, had to be sinless. Jesus was sinless. And He was willing. He did it out of love. It was love that motivated Him. So He put His life forward. He died for us as our propitiation. I want you guys to know something. Christ didn't just die so we can be better people or have a better place to go when we die. He purchased our forgiveness. Romans 9.22 said, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. He had to die. And He willingly did so for you and I. And that is why He is our hope. Our hope is in Him. So we talk about our hope of our calling. We can't talk about it without recognizing who Jesus Christ is in our lives. Who He wants to be in our lives. And then His calling is how He can can further conform us into the likeness of His Son. Into Himself. How can He show us who we are? How can He continue to mold us and make us, shape us exactly who He wants us to be? Because that's what He wants to do. That's what's the hope of our calling. So there's good news this morning. We can can testify that Jesus did live. He did die. He did give His life as a ransom for many. And God did raise Him from the dead. This did happen. And these are things that we call our hope. That is our hope. 18C will say, What are the riches and glory of His inheritance in the saints? What are the riches and glory of His inheritance? Oh, that we would be able to see. Paul is is praying that we would be able to get a glimpse of of what awaits us after this life is over, after this race is done, And there's a really interesting story I found with regards to this, is Alexander the Great was great. I don't know if he was great, but they say that's in his title. that must mean he's great. Anyway, Alexander the Great, he had just defeated the Persian Empire, and he's heading over the Himalayan mountains, which is one of my favorite mountains up there in Mount Everest, but he's heading over to the Himalayas. He's going to conquer the Indian people. India. He's going to conquer India. I'm botching this story. I'm sorry. It is a good one. I'll get the good part right. So he's heading over. And as he's coming over the Himalayan mountains, he sees this young lad. He sees this young man who's carrying so much sacks and so much luggage, if you will, that, are, that are, it's breaking this horse. This horse is going to buckle under all this weight. So this horse is just laboring to try and go laboring. And finally the horse just crashes down. And Alexander the Great sees this. And he's watching this going, well, that was a heavy load. Maybe the guy should have thought about this. And he sees this young lad pick up these sacks, and he throws the sacks over his own shoulders. The horse wasn't able to be able to handle it, but this young man now thinks he's going to carry it. So now Alexander the Great goes, Well, that's that's interesting. I'm curious now. I'm going to go over there and see what's going on. So he he comes over and says, Son, what is in those sacks that is so important that now you think you're going to burden yourself with the weight of it? And he goes, In these sacks belongs all the treasures of Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great goes... Well, when we make camp, take them to your tent. It's all yours. When you think about that analogy and you think about, I guarantee you this, those sacks got lighter. They got a lot lighter. Didn't mean they still didn't weigh a lot. It didn't mean they still weren't difficult to carry. But they got lighter. And Christian, that's the exhortation for us right here today, right now in our lives. We live in this world... And guys, we can say it's not easy. We deal with things. There's a lot of things that are very difficult for us to see. We see political regimes. We see changes. We see laws passed. We see things that aren't consistent with with, with what the Word of God tells us. And so it's heavy to bear some of those things. It's heavy to take a stand for Christ sometimes. We know His yoke is easy and His burden is light. But sometimes the weight of this world can weigh us down. But if we are willing to see it for what it is and see at the end of this race when we run with endurance, with perseverance, the riches and glory that await us, it gets a little lighter. This world gets a little easier to walk in knowing that, one, it's not my home, and two, I don't expect it to be. My treasures aren't going to be made manifest here. I'm not going to find them. I store my treasures up where rust and moth will not destroy, where thief will not break in and steal. My treasures are with the Lord Jesus, and my treasure is the Lord Jesus, waiting to be in His presence for all eternity. So think about that. Paul is saying, have an have a eternal mindset. Keep your minds on the things of the Lord, the things of heaven, because this world will disappoint you. There will be challenges. There will be tough things. I know you guys have probably all experienced to the greater degree than I have. But there's only one way to get through it, and it's keeping your eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus. The the riches and glory of our inheritance. The fourth one, fifth one, we're going to look at tonight. Tonight, We'll look at it again tonight if you guys want, but we'll look at it this morning too. (laughs) Verse 20, sorry, verse 19, it says, "What What is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His mighty power? What is the exceeding greatness... Us who believe, there's so many ways to talk about God's power. I couldn't, I couldn't fit it into a single morning. I couldn't fit it into a lifetime. Probably it's just it's so vast. I was praying over this particular thing. How can I try and show, Lord, what what is what is an example of Your power? And I, I can only say f- from personal experience. But for me, before before the Lord led me into you know to to step out in faith for engage reality the calling of the Lord had come upon my life several times. And every time the calling would come upon my life, I would, I would heed it. I'd say, okay, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and see if I can do this. I have my own expectations of what I think somebody who is in ministry ought to be able to live. What is that standard of sinlessness that I think someone ought to be able to attain? So I'd say, all right, I'll give it a try, God. If, if you're calling me, then, then you must, I must be able to do some of these things. So within... You know, a, a, few, a few minutes, I, I would say, I'm, I'm going to try and live the supernatural Christianity. No more sin. No more messing around with anything. You know, just total focus, total reliance upon God. About five minutes later, I was like, I can't do this. I just, I can't do this. But after this period of time walking with the Lord, I, I would try and try and try in my own strength, and I would find that I can't live this Christian life that He's calling me to do. So, I must not be fit for ministry. It just isn't going to happen for me. I can't do it. I'm not able. I'm not strong enough would be the word I would say. I'm not strong enough. And this last summer, same thing happened. Opportunity came. I felt the Lord's calling saying, I want to use you if you're willing. I want to use you if you're willing. I said, okay, well, we'll try it again. Same thing. Made it five and a half minutes this time. And it was, nope, still not good enough. I can't do it. But this time, the Lord told me something different. The Lord told me things that I already knew, but in a new light. And the first thing he told me, he said, you are a sinner. You know, I'm, I'm a sinner. And that's something that, that I, I come to grips with. I'm a sinner. The other thing is, is, I am always going to be a sinner in some capacity. I don't want to sound that in any, in any way, shape, or form as if I am in defeat. Because I look at it as if I sin, not when I sin. So hear me out of the end of this thing, because it will come back around. But I'm a sinner that is saved by grace through faith, period. It's not a work of my own. It's nothing I can boast of. So when I say I'm a sinner, it's you're a sinner, you need a savior. And that's the thing that there is never a time in my life that I am less in need of a savior. That's what I say when I come to that saying, really, I'll sum it up is I am weak. I am weak. I'm unable to do this in my own capacity. I'm unable to do this by myself. I need something greater that is in me. Something greater than myself. And one of these things that comes around is there's almost a fundamental flaw with American Christianity that comes from some of our idealistic, independent, get-her-done type of attitude. I can do it on my own. I can make something happen. I can do it. Christianity doesn't work that way. And one of the, one of the favorite messages, Britt Merrick, he, he does, he's a guy I listen to quite, about, quite a bit. He said, he said, you know, some people say Jesus is a crutch. Jesus is a crutch. I say, no. Jesus is two crutches, a wheelchair, a hospital bed, and your mommy. (laughs) You need Jesus for everything. Like, we need Him that bad. Like, it's not like I can do some of it on my own. I am fully, 100% dependent upon God to do anything for Him. So when this thing came about in my life, and I recognized that I'm weak, it led me to a place that I'd never been before to really experience God's power. So that's what I want to talk about, this, you know, closing us out here is go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul's going to exemplify this same thing in his life. And it's the same things that are going on in our lives, the same things that we are contesting against. We know that Paul had he had what he calls a thorn in the flesh, and we can talk about what that is, but I don't think it necessarily matters. But he has something that in verse eight he says concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. I pleaded with the Lord three times considering this thing, and for a minute I want you guys to consider your thing. What is that thing that you plead with God to say, God, take it away? It is hindering my walk with you. It is a sin that is tangling me up. It's quenching me. I, I hate that sin. I don't want it in my life anymore. Take it from me. What is that thing? Because I know you guys have pleaded with it. I know there's things in my life that I've pleaded with it. There's things that God will instantly take away from us. When I came to know the Lord, I was totally entrapped in, in drugs and sin and sexual morality and just all these, and there was those things God just took from me. They were gone. He totally removed them, but there's been other things that he said. I want you to endure through them. I will call you out of some other things. I'm going to call you through, and this is one of those things that God is calling me through. When I speak about the weakness back in that engagement, I can't. I can't keep my things. Always, my mind always focused on you. I can't always lay down my life for my wife. I can't always train my kids in righteousness. I feel like I'm not able to do this, and God will tell us that His strength is made. Perfect in our weakness. So when I once looked at this weakness as a bad thing, as a negative thing, I now look at it as a good thing. Not that I'm weak and I engage in those events, or not that I'm weak and I stumble, it's, it's I'm weak, I can't do it, I'm dependent. When I'm most weak, I'm most dependent. When I'm most dependent, I'm most strong because God's strength is sufficient in my weakness. Amen. So we go through this real quick. It's you know, pretty much what he's saying here, but when we think about this power, when we think about this opportunity that we want to live, what is the exceeding greatness of His power for us who, who believe? Look at what verse 20 says back in Ephesians. Verse 20 will tell us that is, it is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead that lives in us. The same mighty power. Can you, that is incredible news this morning. We're having difficulties conquer some of the things in our lives. We haven't been dead for three days behind a big stone. <laughs> our problems aren't that big, I can't imagine. But they're still big, they're still important. God still cares about them. We don't want to demean them. But the same power that lives in us. Romans eight eleven says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We have power this morning, Christian. And it's not in and of ourselves. It's only when we can really experience these powers when we recognize how weak and feeble we really are. Once we can let go and truly let God reign in our lives. I'm not saying you don't try to do some of these things. I'm just saying try to ask for the spirit to empower you try to pour yourself into prayer try to let god work some of these things out with the resources that he's made available to us one of the most uttered prayers of my life is holy spirit come and just give me power right now just give me power to be able to proclaim to this person give me power to to just not think about this anymore give me power to to a way out out from underneath this temptation just give me power but I again just challenge you guys when we go through these things, these five things that, that the Spirit wants us to be made known, wants, wants the fullness of God to show itself real and true in our lives. We need to have a, a power, a, a positional, neither one of those words are right. We need to have a diligence through prayer and through the Holy Spirit to seek with importunity, to truly desire, insist with persistence that God fills us this morning. And so we have an opportunity this morning where I just want to pray for you guys. We talk about this power. We talk about the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We talk about having the hope of our calling be made known. Talk about what are the riches and glory of our inheritance. Having our eyes of our heart truly enlightened. And having the Holy Spirit of power fill and dwell and baptize and immerse us with Himself. We have an opportunity to do that this morning. And so I want to ask you guys, if you want this kind of power this morning... If you really want this to be true in your life, I'm going to ask you to stand up. Don't stand up because it's some church thing. Don't stand up because someone else in the church is doing it. If you really want this, God wants to pour this out upon you. He wants His power to fill us to be able to to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever ask or think. And guys, if you're still here and you don't know what this power is, or you've never experienced the love of Jesus Christ in your life, I'm asking you to stand up. Stand up in faith and experience it. Receive the Lord Jesus. Receive His love this morning. Amen. I just want to pray for you guys. Father God, Lord, with all authority that's been given to us on heaven and earth and Your Spirit and Your Son, God, I just pray for Your Spirit to come and fall upon us in a mighty, mighty way this morning, Lord God. Yes. Father, I'm praying for the Spirit of wisdom and revelation to have the true knowledge of You. God, I'm praying that our hearts would be flooded with light, Lord God, flooded with Your light. Shine anything that is not of You, any darkness, any crack and crevice in our lives, God, purge it from us. Lord God, I'm praying that we can recognize You as our hope, our true hope, our only hope, Lord Jesus. And that You just show us our calling in You to be further conformed to Your image, further conformed to the likeness of Your glory. And God, to give us eyes to see the riches and glory of our inheritance in You. That when we make camp, God, we're home and we get to see the mansion you've prepared for us. We get to see the amazing things that you've done, that you've gone and make a place for our homes. And Lord God, I'm praying for your spirit to come and pour out on us. Baptize us, Lord God. Fill us, overflow us. Just pour out your spirit upon us. Holy Spirit, come. Move in this place. God, and if there's somebody here who doesn't know you, Lord God, I'm just praying they take a step of faith. We're going to have prayer counselors up here. We're going to have people here who want to pray for them. So, Spirit, I ask that you just move them to faith and move them to a decision to make a commitment for you, Lord Jesus. I just thank you, God, and ask this in your precious and holy name.